And I think that would complement the team very well. I could see Nuge and Gavrikov playing together. And Nuge. Sorry, why did I say Nuge? <laughs> Nurse is what I meant to say. Maybe we try that. Who knows? What's up, and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. What's up, and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. It is the Ryan Jones episode, number 28. Definite fan favorite of mine. At the time, he definitely was. I is one of. I think that was the first player where I started to notice like an emotional attachment to a player without like really taking into account like their skills. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? that's fair. It's like the beloved fourth liner on the team where you're like, God, I love this guy. And then he gets cut and you're like, what? Why? I don't understand. And I was like, oh, it's because he wasn't very good. <laughs> Great guy, just not very good. How's it going? How's your week? Uh, it's going good. Happy Christmas is coming up. Yes. And uh, hating the weather. Yes. Mostly because I hate everybody's driving abilities, but... Well, that's not worth talking about. I think everybody's aware how bad everybody is at winter driving. <laughs> very true. Very true. On that note, um, we're recording here. It's the 20th of December. So here on, I'm on vacation, so I don't even know what fucking day it is. It's Tuesday, right? You made me actually have to think. Yes, it is Tuesday. <laughs> so we're recording here on Tuesday. We're going to take a break here uh, for the next couple weeks um as we kind of just enjoy our christmas uh we'll be back on the the first or the second we'll record one of those days yeah we'll record on one of those days and release the the morning of the second or the third probably yeah get some world juniors games in too that'll be exciting i forgot about the world juniors even more excited (laughs) anything that gets me away from watching edmonton for a little bit yeah you bet you bet uh one thing we haven't done in a, a bit that i wanted to I do is just plug our socials. You guys can check us out at Crude Oil Podcast on Twitter. Uh, check out our YouTube accounts. We're trying to uh, get more of a following because obviously the bigger our following gets, the bigger your voice gets as well um, when we reach out for questions. So um, yeah, yeah, feel free to, to give those a like and a share. Um, let's dive into the Oilers. We've had a slew of games over the past week. Yeah, we're a cool, what was it, 1-2-2 two, and two over the past five games? Very cool. Yeah, this is going to be a stark contrast to last week where we had two kind of games to discuss our overarching feelings, and now we have five of them. Mm. And I will apologize for what I said at the beginning of the podcast last week, which was, I wish this team would lose a little bit more so we'd have more content to talk about. <laughs> and fuck me, I regret that so much. <laughs> That was the worst thing I've ever said in my life. Man, did that ever come back to bite you in the ass, oh, eh? Man, I'm so mad. This this whole week I've been thinking about that after every loss. I'm like, God fucking damn it. Why did I say that? Honestly, I'm going back to the, even the takes that I had at the start of the season where I was like, oh, the Oilers are going to be the best in the West. Like, I'm just going to stop fucking, like, making predictions. To be fair, <laughs> you were not the only person who felt that way. Ah, uh, still. I it's... think, like, people counted out Vegas because they didn't expect them to be as good with... Uh, Logan Thompson and Net and Robin Lehner on IR, um, and pretty much Seattle. like Jack Eichel to be as good as they, he's been. Seattle's been like off the charts, way better than anybody expected. Um, a lot of guys having career years there this season. Yep. Um, obviously, LA is still doing pretty solid. Calgary's been disappointing. Vancouver's been disappointing. 
So I think not a lot of people had the standings, especially in our division, the way that they are currently laying out. Oh, I know. I thought it was going to be like a, an Edmonton-Calgary battle for first. I mean, so well, did Well, if you everybody. look at Calgary, you got like Markstrom and Huberto have been terrible. Oh, my God. I so, thought we were in dire straits with our players earning yeah. that contract that they have. But yeah, uh, it's and, a... But then you look at Calgary and they're one point behind us in the standings <laughs> and playing the Sharks tonight. So Yeah, yeah. So just to recap the quick games, um, the Oilers lose to Minnesota 2-1, a 6-3 win against Nashville. Uh, that happened to be the only win we had in the last week. Uh, a 4-3 shootout loss to St. Louis. The uh, the Saturday loss to Anaheim, which I want to completely forget ever existed. And then obviously last night with the OT loss to uh, Nashville. So... Let's dive in. We have a plenty of things to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> we really do. <laughs> like, where do we want to start? Because, I mean, there's just so much. Uh, I think maybe we start with uh, the most hot topic um, that happened in the past week with the offside um, scenario with St. Louis. Like, I have a hard time seeing how it's even a to- hot topic at this point. I think everybody agrees that that was a garbage fucking call by the NHL. Yet you... you listen to Justin Braun on Sportsnet, and he's like, that was outside. Like, why are we listening to Justin Braun? Well, uh, that's what I mean. Like, I I don't understand. This This is where I'm pissed off. Um, you're trying to grow the game of hockey. You can't have the best fucking player in the NHL not knowing what the rules are. Yeah, and McDavid came out and said that in his post-game interview. But, yeah. And, like, these refs, it wasn't even the refs, it was Toronto. Like... How can you look at McDavid in that situation? The best player in the world, the player who has the best puck handling and puck control at top speed in the game, probably in history, and be like, oh, he doesn't have control of the puck there. Yeah. Because McDavid can skate half the ice and have the puck around him, but not actually touch it, and he's in full control the whole time. Mm -hmm. Because keeping a guy from touching the puck, like keeping the defenseman from touching the puck, to me, is him controlling the puck. That's puck protection. It's yeah. Puck protection 101. It's like, you're not protecting the puck unless you have control of said puck. Right. So how does that make any sense? Yeah. I just, I don't understand it. I, I didn't get it either. The only thing that I can, like, kind of see is with, I forget what defenseman was stick checking him, but how he, he made it a, an attempt to stick check him, but McDavid still had the puck. Like, I, it's just, I don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. Well, and, if that defenseman touched the puck, maybe even, but right. he didn't even touch the puck. Exactly. But David protected the puck from him. Yeah. I, there's comparisons to the Makar goal. A little bit different. I get that. Um, but the the big one that is like almost like pain for pain the same, um, the same kind of rush as that Kuznetsov goal from a couple years ago. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, honestly, the most disappointing part about this whole situation is that in from what I'm aware of, the NHL has not said anything about this goal. They didn't come out and give a, like, after presser being like, okay, this is why we said it wasn't. And don't worry, Greg's watch is just beeping in the background, but he's turning Trying it off. Trying to shut it off, Jesus. It's fine, it's fine. Um... So, yeah, they didn't come out and say anything. So us as Oilers fans and all the other people who watched that like that replay are still sitting here with our dicks in our hands being like, what the fuck right. happened? Like, I get you called it no goal because there was no control, apparently. Yeah. But, like, you need to give us more detail than that so we can see that and then we can hold you accountable next time. 
Yeah. That you call back another goal. We're like, well, you said that was control, but you just called this goal back. Or you allowed this goal, but this goal didn't look like there was control. So Yeah. And without them being held accountable, we're just sitting here like a bunch of idiots. Well, because it's going to happen in a couple like weeks. The thing that I actually really loved about McDavid's comments, and I think it was issued by... They, they talked to another Oiler over the past week. And the first instance that they brought up, too, is like the Calgary goal yeah. as well in the playoffs. Like, what's a kick? What's not a kick? Like, there's a consistency around the frustration from NHL players. Like, it's, it's yeah. stupid. Well, I'm sure, like, obviously... Calgary Flames fans and players were like irate about that absolutely and like I can look at that goal and I could not tell you if it was a kick or not did it go off his gate yes was there a distinct kicking motion maybe like I can't there's no black and white way to look at it and in my opinion if there's no black and white way to look at it it shouldn't be reviewable in the first place right like yeah or it should be clear cut like this is it or clear cut this is not we can't sit here and think about this and with the offsides i talked i've talked about it before okay the way that i think it should work is the refs or toronto situation room for example can watch the highlight three let's say three to five times Mm -hmm. they have to watch it at real speed and if it's not clear cut obvious that it's offside for them to call it back if it's inconclusive then you don't call it back because people make mistakes and we can't be like Imagine if you were at your job and every little mistake they did, they're like, okay, let's slow it down. Let's see yeah. exactly where he wrote the four instead of the five. Oh, right there. That's where he lost us some money. I, I And I think there's too much. There's a lot of rules in the NHL rule book which are objective. Objective, subjective. Subjective. Yeah. The, the Possession. Like, what do you determine? Just because it's not on a stick doesn't mean he has possession of the puck. Like, well, I don't get it. Listen, I, I work in the world of, like, tax and stuff, and subjectivity opens you up for Woof. speculation and for people finding ways to skirt the rules. Yeah, so exactly. You, there you, you go. You, need to, you can't make it subjective. There you go. Uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, it was Evander Kane that was talking about that. Um, okay. On that tangent, did you watch the game on Saturday with him? The interview I did not watch. So he was... Uh, kind of co-hosting with Gene yeah. uh, in between the second and, well, the first and the second intermission. And Evander Kane is built to be a, a broadcaster when he retires. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, fantastic at it. So uh, You know, I forgot that interview was happening because that was like the kids' night. Oh, And right. I was just like, I don't want to watch any more interviews yeah. with children today. Yeah. So I like, I always just turn off the, or like mute the TV during those <laughs> and get up and go do something during intermission. Yeah, yeah. Those are... I don't have kids yet, obviously, so I, I maybe can't appreciate it, but I know, like, you and I have been to a, an Oil Kings game, the te- Teddy Bear Toss, I think, and just the yeah. amount of kids that go to that, it's a lot. It's a lot for people who aren't used to it. I mean, it's a great experience for it kids, is. though. You can't yeah. say no to that. Exactly, exactly. And I was a little, I was jealous of the kid doing the PA announcing. Yeah, I know. That's, like, my dream job. Yeah, that was great. Uh, um, Yeah, with that being said, we'll kind of stick to the St. Louis game because... We need to talk. Well, it kind of bled into the Anaheim game too. But Darnell Nurse, what's going on, man? We've said it before. Like I think we just sound like a broken record at this point. It's he'll play thirty minutes a night, and that's fine. He can play pretty solidly. But goddamn, when he fucks up, he fucks up hard. Yeah. And I, I just don't know what to say at this point, honestly. Obviously, the really bad uh, 
plays in the the St. Louis game, but like I almost think Anaheim was worse for him because like he came out, he scored right away, and it's like okay, he's got the monkey off the back. He was very accountable after the game in St. Louis, and um, you know there's there's a lot of people shitting on Darnell Nurse. Like ag- again, he fucking knows it. He owns it too. I don't think benching Darnell Nurse or health bombing him is gonna help him at all. Like, I would. The only way that I would hope that it might help him is like if they did it for a single game, more of a like a lesson to everybody else on the team that nobody is safe. Mm. If you make these brain dead fucking plays, and like there's been a lot of people also shitting on Bouchard similarly for the same reason. Wow, because yeah. he, he made a couple terrible. brain fart plays in these games too. Yeah, and like people are calling for like Bouchard to be benched and. It's like, well, if, like, it's like the third period where he got benched. It's like, mm-hmm. if Nurse was to make that play, he'd probably play 10 minutes for the rest of that period still. Yeah. and But Bouchard makes that play, and he's gone for the rest of the game. That's where I I don't understand it. Like, and I, I saw Matheson's tweets about how, like, it's just the way things go. Veterans are going to get the, um, kind of the... Benefit of the doubt. Be- exactly. Um, but I, I I just don't know. So looking at the game, like, the big thing... I was really, uh, I'm, my mentality when I go to shit on a player when they're playing terribly is you shit on them until they take accountability for it. So when I watched Darnell Nurse in his press conference after that, they weren't even talking about his game and he didn't want to have anything to do with that because he was owning up. He's like, we shouldn't even be in that spot because I fucked up. Um, I can't go and continue to shit on a guy after that. I can continue to shit on a guy like that if he takes accountability, but then continues to fuck up. That's I, I that's what I was getting to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you got the accountability. You move into the next game, though. I expected to see a turnaround. The first 10 minutes after, like, they're okay. They're good. He, he looked like he was stepping up, and then it was just the same old shit. Yeah, it's the same song and dance with him. Like, like the, the problem, like I said, is, like, People want to say, like, oh, he plays great. You don't want to just pick out the mistakes here and there because, like, he's playing 30 minutes a night. Obviously, he's, like, going to make, statistically speaking, more mistakes. Yeah. And the problem is not the amount of mistakes. It's the severity of the mistakes. Yeah. Where he fucks up, it's in the back of the net. Yeah, you you can't praise him for a breakout pass when, when he coughs up the puck, it winds up in your net. Well, realistically, we should have never made it to overtime against nashville because in the last five minutes he fucked up again and gave the puck away and nashville immediately almost scored and then hemmed us in for like two minutes after that yeah it's like the only reason we're not talking about nurse from that game is because they didn't score on that chance yeah so it just goes to show that if you fuck up and we score that's why or if they score that's why we shine the fucking interrogation lamp in his face Mm -hmm. see that's the thing is like Darnell Nurse knows this, and that's why I don't think like me continuing to shit on him is gonna do anything. But we, the team has to do something to support him because clearly he's struggling. Does he does he go to a sports psychologist? Maybe he needs to. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you put him in different coaching scenarios that you know give you an opportunity to succeed, not just throw you into the fire. Yeah. Like, well, I know it might be throwing other players into the fire, but like. Do you bump him down to the second pairing? That's what I mean. Play yeah. him in a, a not a sheltered role per se, but just against a couple lesser competition. Maybe just don't overplay him as much, because that could be what's happening. Is that he's been overplayed and he's mentally fatigued. I I mean, you're doing it with Campbell. 
you have just because a guy's making the most at his position doesn't mean he has to have the most minutes. Oh, exactly. Like it has the the difference is Skinner's coming in and playing really well. And we yeah. don't necessarily have somebody yeah. who can replace Nurse. Like you'd be throwing Kulak or something up there. Mm-hmm. But then that begs the question: Is like when is it time to just make some sort of change on this defense? I'm not saying trade yeah. Nurse or anything like that because I don't yeah. think it's possible. But right, bring somebody in who can support him. I have no idea because like even and I can't just sugarcoat everything with the defense and blame it all on Nurse. Like Bouchard has not been good lately as well. Well, um, to just, be fair, he hasn't been fantastic all season. Yeah. Like I know it's plus minus is a little iffy stat, but oof, his his minus is painful to look at right yeah. now. I, I don't know what the Oilers do. Uh, Ken Holland was on Oilers Now, I believe, yesterday, saying how he's looking to add to the defense, but there's just nobody doing business right now. Um, well, a lot of me, people are still waiting to see if they're going to make the playoffs, right? Right. Like you look at a Nashville, like. They're out of the playoffs right now, yes, but they just beat Edmonton. So now they're one step closer, meaning they're less likely to want to make a trade. Yeah. And I'm looking at a guy like Matias Ekholm out of Nashville. My God. Who, he looked fantastic last night. And like in my opinion, he's the exact kind of guy that we need to play second pairing minutes with Bouchard to be that defensive, like steady presence on that line. Fuck like any of the players for Nashville. Can we just get whoever runs their like farm teams to come work for us? Well, it's like, whoever runs their amateur scouting for their, their DU department. Can you name one bad defenseman that's played for the, like, they're just perennial all-stars coming out. Well, out of the Nashville. ones they've drafted, like, the top-tier ones, you get Shea Weber, you get Ryan Suter, you get Seth Jones, less so now, but yeah. in his prime, per se, he's really good. Roman Yossi, uh, is it Dante Fabro right now? I believe so, yeah. Um, and there's a few others, too, that have just been fantastic well and then you go like a step back even further you have pekka Rene, you have uc soros like th- that they just know how to develop players who's uh who's the russian guy they have right now too a scare off yeah like it's it's just dumb how how they can develop players so yeah i, I agree though at Here, home, here's the problem with what you just said though what look at their forwards how they have never developed a drafted forward that has scored more than probably 35 goals. I think Victor Arvidsson was the most goals scored by a drafted one in a season. Yeah, but I mean... And like, he doesn't even play for the team anymore. Yeah. Their top scorers are like Duchesne, Forsberg, Johansson. None of those guys were drafted by that team. And the most promising one recently was Ellie Tolvanen, and now he's gone. He's in Seattle. They've just never had luck drafting forwards there. That's why they draft defensemen, because they're good at that. I'm just pulling this up. It looks like David Legwand, obviously the biggest. Was he even drafted by that team, though? Oh, I think so, yeah. I can't remember. He probably was. He was drafted. Yeah, second overall. Yeah. To be fair, David Legwand's stats, like, yes, he was pretty solid, but he was never that elite-level guy. No, no. I And yeah, that's, I, the, that's more what I'm leaning towards, is that they've never, like, been able to develop an elite-level player. Yeah. There. Philip Forsberg is the closest, and they didn't develop him or draft him. Yeah. They traded for him. I still would like. But yes, whoever's out. running their D <laughs> amateur scouting and their goalie amateur scouting, please um, call Edmonton immediately. Yeah. We could really use you. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, I really don't know what the Edmonton Oilers do. I agree. Eckholm seems like a guy that you'd want on the back end. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about 
Jonathan Taves coming to Edmonton. I don't want Jonathan Taves. Yeah. I think I, I want a Jonathan Taves in the room, but if Jonathan Taves played defense. Well, and that's exactly it. It's like I hate all of these rumors that are like, oh, this forward's going to come here, this forward's going to come here, because it's like, A, with what money? Yeah. And B, we need defense. It all starts in the back end. Like, we're fourth in goals four. We don't need more goals. We need ways to keep the goals out of our own net. Yeah. And that starts with our defense because it has been god-awful this year. Yeah. I. <laughs> you have to. You have to prioritize the defense right now because it's the Achilles heel to this hockey club. It's making, like, that screen that Bouchard had on um, Skinner on Saturday, I was just laughing my ass off. Like, how the fuck is Stuart Skinner expected to do anything there? Well, and it seems like most of the goals. I think Skinner didn't have a great game against. No, he probably was. I think it was yep. Anaheim where he gave up a really stinker of a goal. Yep, yep. But like, I don't know. It's it all comes down to our D with ninety percent of the chances and the goals this season. Maybe like Sans Campbell has had a few rough ones this year. Mm-hmm. But even last night against the Preds, like he was not the reason we lost. No. There was a couple like terrible bounces that he had zero chance on. I actually thought that Campbell played a strong game last night. I oh. know four on the board, but like some of the saves that he last night was a good example of Campbell making saves that he wasn't expected to make. Yeah, and isn't that Campbell's mo though? Usually, like, is that he makes the crazy saves but lets in the stinkers? Yeah, I and guess the the only difference there was that he didn't really let in too many stinkers last game. Right. There was like the the overtime goal. There was the two on one goal. There was the bank off some guy's ass like eight feet wide of the net that went straight that into the net. That was a weird one. Yeah. Like he didn't really have a chance on at least the deflection goals and then those one-on-one where he gets sniped by Duchesne and then gets sniped or sniped by uh Carrier. Yeah. Like I would have liked to see him save one of those obviously, but it was always somebody else's fault to a degree. Like CC was really weak on Duchesne on yeah. that goal. Yeah. And then he obviously went and dove for the poke check and put himself out of position and then Duchesne sniped it. Yeah. And then there has been some controversy about the overtime goal last night. <laughs> Fuck. Mostly on playing the blame game. I don't. I, I've watched that like clip three different times, and I can find a new person to blame every single time. Well, like, like it's just it's like yes, it was a nice goal. It was a snipe. Like I would like to see Campbell get it because it kind of just went above his glove. Barry didn't do too much defensively on the play. He took away the pass, to be fair, which, in, I think, in my opinion, in two-on-one, right. Right. that's the best you can really hope for. Right. Like, that's, I think, the the baseline of what you need to do on a two-on-one. Yep. Would it have been nice to see him break up the play? Yes, but I don't know if that's realistic. Right. Then, obviously, Nuge had a weak change. You want to see more out of that. Like, people are like, oh, he's gassed and stuff. I was like, well... If you're gassed, don't be on the ice in overtime. Yeah. Like, Yamo I too. understand. Yamo, too, is, like, skating 20% to the bench. Well, like, and, it's... like, there's been some people, including myself immediately afterwards, who watched the play. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, Yamamoto's behind the play. Like, he's not to blame. It's not his fault. But if you watch, he, like, barely pressures the guy behind the net who has the puck. And then exactly. he just starts skating toward the bench rather than making any effort to slow the play down of any kind. Like his shift was over before. Yeah, yeah. and just yeah. allows Cody Glass to make that snipe pass up to uh, 200 feet for the two-on-one. And, I don't know, you gotta you got to do something out there. Yeah. And it goes to show why we miss 
guys like Kane and McLeod so much. And that might be part of the problem is McDavid and Drysdale go on, they come off, they're tired. Then Nuge slash Yamamoto slash Hyman go on, then they're tired. If McDavid and Drysdale are still tired, we have nobody else really you want to throw out there. Like you could yeah, throw depleting. Yeah. You could throw Holloway and Fogel out there or something like that. Yeah. But like I'm not opposed to that per se. But I know a coach will never give a young guy that kind of chance in overtime. Yeah. So I, the team's kind of fucked in that department. The depth is really like it's funny. We have depth when you talk about the different roles that players are needed for. Uh, but when you need those high like scoring um, moments like overtime where you have five minutes, like the depth is really depleted when you don't have a Kane, you don't have a McLeod in the lineup. So. Well, like Kane has five goals this year, right? Yeah. He's still fifth on the team in goals. I know. Isn't that stupid? And like, he's played like a quarter as many as everybody else has. Yeah. It's just absurd that people not named McDavid, Drysaddle, Nuge, Hyman, and Kane haven't managed to at least put up five goals so far this year. I think McLeod, to be fair, would be at five goals if he was healthy this year because mm-hmm. he was at three before he got hurt. But still, it's I expect more out of them. I'd like to see more out of Pugliarvi, obviously. I'd like to see more out of Yamamoto. And they're just not bringing enough to the team offensively. But, like we've said, offense isn't the problem. You want to see more goals, obviously. But, like, when you have McDavid and Drysdale, you don't really need as much depth. And there's they play most of the ice time. Mm -hmm. So it's not really fair to expect Devin Shore to put up 15 goals in a year when he's playing five minutes a game. Half of which of that time was on the penalty kill. Exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that it, it's all good points. Like, we we would like more scoring and, and more, you know, breadth of wealth uh, spent across the, the forward group. But, yeah, like you mentioned, it's not the, not the number one priority right now. But, yeah, I don't know. Speaking of Nuge, though, uh, can we – we kind of touched on it late last week. Can we, like, give this guy some praise? We've been, you know, giving some shit comments here to start the podcast, but... You know, I was ready to give him praise, and then that overtime Oh, came. my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'm I'm more than okay with praising what Nuge has brought to the team. Unbelievable. Like, he is playing more like a first overall pick than he has in his entire career. Oh, yeah. He's bringing secondary scoring that we've been missing. He's found his shot this season, thank the Lord. (laughs) He's already scored five more goals this season than he did all of last season. And we're not even, like, we're, what, a third of the way through the season? Yeah. So it's been unbelievable with him. Like, he's on pace for, like, 35-plus goals this year. That's insane. In theory, if Kane comes back, like, right away, we could have 440 goal scorers if Nuge finds a way to crack 40 and Kane comes back flying like he did when we originally signed him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's exciting. But again, like you'd mentioned until we do get Kane back, we need that. We need some guys to step up, but well, and at this point, like how much faith do you have that the guys on a roster are going to step up on defense? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like, wh- what do you think they do? Well, the number one thing I think they need to do, like, I know people have been preaching it, but they need to trade for a veteran defenseman who can play top four minutes. And that leads me to guys like Ekholm. I'm not overly interested in Chitrin. 
I don't think the Oilers are either from the sounds of things. But. Well, not only is it too expensive, he's just not really the type of player that we need per se. He's a bit more offensive style. He's not yeah. overly physical. And that's similar. I've heard rumors of like Klingberg. And Klingberg I'm not overly interested in for that same reason. Yeah. Um, there's been obviously some rumors of Ekholm, which I'm very interested. There's been rumors of Edmondson. The one that I really, really want is Gavrikov. Yes, Gavrikov is what I, what I was getting to, which oh, is sorry. <laughs> what I really want because Gavrikov is right-handed and he is a defensive defenseman. Yeah. And I think that would complement the team very well. I could see Nuge and Gavrikov playing together. and Nuge. Sorry, why did I say Nuge? <laughs> Nurse is what I meant to say. Maybe we try that. Who knows? Oh, man. And then, yeah, and then play... Let's say we also traded for Ekholm somehow, and we have Ekholm Bouchard, and then CC Kulak on the third pair. And this is obviously assuming in one of these two trades, Barry would probably be going the other way. Mm. And I don't want to shit talk Barry. To be fair, I think he's been pretty decent. He's had—I don't know if he got a point last night, but going into last night, he had a six-game assist streak going. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, that was all probably power play. And our five-on-five five is trash. So Okay, before we leave the Barry train here, there's something that just kind of clued in on, I think it was Saturday when I was watching the game. But Barry's had a streak of, I think last year he was kind of the scapegoat, um, really struggling with things. And then um, earlier on to this year, where it's like, I would say over the past couple of weeks, his game's gotten better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw on Saturday that his he had, he, he had a kid. And so part of me wonders, like, how much of an impact that had on his game the past, you know, whatever, year. So on Saturday he had a kid? No, no. So Or his the, kid is a year old. I don't know if he's a year old or whatever, but they're at the game and they're showing, I think the Oilers just posted on Twitter, um, him waving at him, like, through the glass. Yeah. And it's just this little infant, so it had to have been recent. Um, not that he would go, like, I'm not all up to following the players' social medias and stuff like that, but... Um, if he just had a baby, like, of course his life is going to be fucking turned upside down. Like, we look at what happened to Cam Talbot when he had the twins. Like, there, there's a little bit of an adjustment period. So I just, I just wanted to bring that up because I know that we've been critical of Barry's play, but I didn't know that was going on. I mean, everyone's got stuff going on, but... I mean, to be fair, Barry's, like, maybe third on the critical list for how much we've shit on defensemen this season. <laughs> yeah, it's no. Mostly Nurse and Bouchard. Mm-hmm. Like Barry has not been terrible. No. I think he has been mid, which is pretty much just what I expected from well, him. Well, he's fifth on the team in points, so I don't know about mid. <laughs> yeah, but let's see how many of those are power play points. 18 of those are power play points. So technically he has 8 points on 5 on 5. Yeah. So it's like if you take those away, it's like Nurse has 17 five-on-five points, for example. Yeah. So, like, is Nurse twice as good as Barry right now? <laughs> Some people would say no. He's making more than twice the money, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not sure what to do. The only bright side over the past, these past four losses, mm-hmm. is that they've all been one-goal games. Yeah. So they have been close. And I hate losing one goal games. We need to be winning these, especially against the quality of competition that we're playing against. 
Um, but my biggest, the biggest thing that I've noticed and I've been preaching about every other game is like Edmonton needs to score four goals minimum every single fucking game to win. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the minimum. Yeah. Like it was the Nashville game. I think it was, and it was three to two or something like that. I was watching it with my friend, and I was like, well, Edmonton needs to score another goal because they guaranteed they need at least four goals because <laughs> otherwise they won't win the game. And my friend's like, oh, it's fine. And then Nashville scores, and he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. They do need four. I was like, "There's why do we need to score that many goals every game? It should be, like, built into your, your like, mindset that when the Oilers score four goals, smash the over. Like, because you know they're going to be giving them up. Well, it's just it's just embarrassing when we finally get a good goaltending effort in the game against Minnesota where we only gave up two goals and we still lose two to one. Cause then for some reason that game, our offense can't figure it out. Yeah. I was just going to say on that point, like we're how many games into this season, 33 games and we do not have a shutout. Well, yeah, I think we've had a couple close calls, but then the defense does something stupid and kind of fucks the, the goalie's over so they don't get a shutout, but uh, I just don't know. I don't want to sit here and just shit on them forever. Me neither. But it's so hard not to when we've lost four of the last five games. Yeah. Three games above 500, lots of time to turn things around. Like, we look at last year. This time last year, like, people were calling for Holland's head. And well, they got somebody's head eventually. <laughs> so that's that's all my but, only counter argument to but, that. Uh, yeah, if we like, thank you for your services, Dave Tippett. But I think that was a lesson that we can make changes and turn things around. Like it's not all squandered. I I I'm with you. Like I feel like we've been shitting all over everything that's going on. It hasn't been a great week, but I don't think this team is out of the woods. Like I don't think we're. No, like, and I will preach what you were saying previously one of the other podcasts is that if we're going to go through controversy now is the time to do it right and hopefully we come out of this stronger and a better team like i'm hoping like nurse and bouchard are taking notes and truly growing as players and can come into the new year for example as better defensemen than they've been so far this season and hopefully better than they've been in their careers yeah because that would be fantastic to see them find a way to turn it around over the next four months and become a tight-knit, solid defensive core. I'm with you. Like, it's funny because I, I always hate like talking about when a player is struggling because I, I want to like balance being authentic, but also like when you're talking about it. Like If Darnell Nurse ever came to me and heard what I was saying, he'd be like, dude, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And I'd be like, yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Um, so I, in saying this, I'm with you. I hope that like whatever they're doing, um, off ice or whatever on ice away from the cameras and stuff is, is going to improve their game eventually. Well, I'd like to see this team as a whole just come together because we've said previously as well that this seems like the closest the entire locker room has ever been. Mm -hmm. And I would hate to see them be forced to make a move to shake things up and potentially disrupt that. Yeah, I, that's why, like, I don't know if you caught the end of that uh, Anaheim game when you saw, like, a lot of people thought it was childish, but that's the first time I think we've seen Leon Dreisaitl show that kind of emotion. Yeah, like, outside of the heat of the moment emotion where he'll, yeah. like, slap his stick on the ice or slash a guy when he does right. something, like, that's the first time I've seen it carry over after the game. 
Yeah. And and I don't think it was a, I'm mad at someone else. I'm just frustrated overall. Like, Well, I think they went into that game thinking that it was going to be a bit of a cakewalk. And then they got, like, just stood up by that Anaheim goalie. Yeah. And it's very unfortunate that that, for example, was one of the games where Skinner had a bit of a rough game, had like mm-hmm. a 750 save percentage, and their goalie decided to play like the second coming of Dominic Hasek for a game. I was absolutely blown away that they didn't start Campbell in that game. I was surprised, but now seeing that they played him against Nashville, maybe they were like, you beat Nashville once, you can beat him again, we're mm-hmm. going to start him again. And I don't think the goaltending necessarily would have made a huge difference in that game just because there were so few chances on Anaheim's side mm-hmm. that I think, I don't know. I'm not going to throw Skinner to the Wolves because he had one bad game. Right. Like, if he has 10 bad games, then I will be ready to be like, why did you sign that contract? But that's Let's also into a that. segue into the contract. Let's get into that. Stuart Skinner signs in Edmonton. Hometown. I I know it's not a hometown deal, but it sure as fuck feels like one. Three by two and... 2.6, um, which I think, yeah, it this couldn't have made my day more yesterday. I uh, I know that he's got a lot to prove. There's some people throwing up stats. He has very, very comparable stats to the same day that Miko Koskinen signed his contract, oh, which, <laughs> which I'm going to bring up, but the big difference is six years of age. And a guy who is on the up in his career. Well, and then I think the most important distinction is a difference of $2 million per year in AAV. That that too, yeah. Like if too. we just signed Skinner to a three or four and a half million dollar contract, I think everybody would be singing a bit of a different tune right now, Yeah, to say the least. But I think that's a very reasonable contract. Um, it kind of takes us into, it'll take us into uh, Campbell's last year of his contract. Yeah. So we'll really get to see like what Campbell is at at that point and whether or not we want to extend Skinner long-term. Yeah. And then also it ends similarly to the end of Drysaddle's contract, I believe. I believe so. I think, yeah, I think Campbell's and Drysaddle's line up together. I'm not sure. No, maybe not. Ah, something to look into. Um, But yeah, no, I'm with you. Like, you, and when you look at the combination, like this kind of takes the pain away from the Campbell contract. Because when you look at your goaltending tandem and you've got $7.6 million tied up in your goaltending tandem, that's not that bad. Well, in comparison to a lot of teams, it's not bad at all. That's like 10% of your salary cap. Yeah. Less. Well, look at guys like Bobrovsky. He's making 10 and a half by exactly. himself. And they just extended uh, Spencer Knight to a contract that's, I think, pretty similar to Stuart Skinner's. And uh, I'll just apologize if anybody can hear that person snow blowing their snow. It's or it's gonna get worse. So yeah, are they gonna, are they approaching us? <laughs> They're Is approaching that, us. That's yeah. what's going on. <laughs> oh great. Uh, we'll see if we can we can edit that out in post. Twenty minutes later. Well, that was uh, that was interesting. We we had to stop. <laughs> it's better. I was going down a rabbit hole anyways of research that got me into thinking somebody got traded. So. <laughs> It, it all worked out so I could gather my thoughts. Yeah, for those of you listening at home, at one point, John's like, what, Ryan Fanti got traded to Montreal? It's the website I was on. It's <laughs> fucked. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. Where were we? 
Ryan Fanti we're talking about. No, we're talking about <laughs> our uh, our goalie salaries and how essentially Edmonton's at about seven point six million between yeah. the two goalies going into next year, which currently puts them around sixth in the league in goalie salaries going into next year. Keep in mind that a lot of the salaries that I'm looking at right now are only one goalie set into next year. There you go. So I think like we'll probably be in the mid range after two goalies get signed by a bunch of teams. Yeah. So I'm think- I'm okay with that, and it gives us more time to see and hopefully have Campbell recover. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know what you're gonna get if he's gonna ever return to that that you know all star. Um, you know, performance that he had at the start of the year last year. But I mean, you hope, you hope for the best. So, and again, back to the point that you've made podcast over podcast, but you get paid in the NHL for what you've done, not what you're going to do. Well, and that's kind of it. But then again, yeah, Skinner gets paid for like 30 games essentially. But I think that's more for what they are expecting of him over the next few years. Yeah. Very true. Very um, true. But, yeah, I guess we'll we'll see. Uh, in other news, the Oilers make it official. I kind of figured something was going on, but they, they sign uh, Jason Demers to a contract. Uh, he goes straight. Is he the guy you bring up, I guess? No, no. <laughs> I just think he's our next call-up. Um, I watched you try and, like, think your way through that. <laughs> I thought about it for a second. I was like, no. So the reason why they did that is Broberg's injured. Yeah, and Ryan Murray just went down with an injury in Bakersfield. So, and on top of that, he had uh, on his PTO he could play twenty five games in the HL, and that just ran out too. So they had to sign him to a contract, and now they can. Yeah, I, I figured he was sticking around. Like he went to all the team parties and stuff, and um, it just yeah. So a, a good death move for the Oilers, at least to uh, get some warm bodies down. Uh, playing regularly and help out the younger guys too so um that'll be nice uh just kind of wrapping up through things here uh oilers plus shockingly 250 a month now they dropped the price yeah. what nobody's buying it Jeez. oh there was something else this isn't oilers plus related i wanted to talk about um totally missed this should have talked about this earlier nope. but i'm so tired of Matthias Janmark being in the top six. Ah, okay. I don't understand why they're still playing him there. I don't know either. I think they just love the combination with Nuge. I, I don't know. He's been they... a complete non-factor every single fucking game he's played. So who do you replace him with? Bump Fogel up there, bump Holloway up there, do anything. Yeah. Like, it'll be nice when Kane or McLeod come back because I guarantee he's the one getting bumped down. But, like... Talk about unnecessary players. Like he well, should be on the fourth line at best. I'm, I'm gonna reiterate something I said before. Throw Costin up there. Well, I'm yeah. I'd rather see Costin up there. Give like, him a couple games. Yanmark, like he makes the occasional okay play, but overall he has just not been great. Like yeah. I don't know. I I made the note. I made a note in my phone after the game <laughs> of being like, why the fuck is he still playing in the top six? So that's like. I wonder, because in my head I know where he stands, but, like, if you get Kane back, you get McLeod back, does he even have a spot in the top 12? No, probably not. So why is he playing in the top six? Like, that's what I don't understand. Well, I don't know. 
I'd rather see like a like a Costin there, like you mentioned, because Costin doesn't play special teams, right? So it helps him get some more ice time versus Yanmark, who at least kills penalties. I don't. I'm with you there. I, I don't understand the the line juggling or what they see there, but I, I would like to see someone bump up. Like now with Fogel getting back in after um, being out for a little bit, like yeah, one of those guys bump him up all the way too. Like it just he, doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I'm, I was just getting mad last night watching that. Every time he come out on the ice with Nuge and Yamamoto, and to be fair, Yamamoto hasn't been great either. Right. But like seeing Nuge, who's having the best season of his career, be straddled to these two guys, like it's not fair. Do we retry with? Well, I was gonna say move uh, Drysaddle back down. Do the? I think uh, it's absolutely time they yeah. separate them. Like yeah. I think. I'm not going to go as far as to say that it's been, like, pedestrian with them together, but it's it's, it's a little old at it's, this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's a move that I'd like to see them do now. I don't know if I'd want Drysaddle playing center, though. And why is that? I just don't think that he, like, is a defensive-minded center. And I think well, they could play Nuge with him or something That's like that. That's what I mean, that. yeah. yeah. Or play Hyman with him, one yeah. or the other. The only thing I don't want to see is Yanmark move up to the top line. <laughs> You're killing me here. It's like with the the Archibald experiments that we've had of years years have gone by. Hey, like, Archibald is outscoring <laughs> like 99% of our team. So uh, he's got, I think, like six goals this year already. Oh, my goodness. So um, I'm just scrolling through to see some notes. There was Clem Costin's fun little jabs at Jim Matheson. Was that not amazing? That was great. And that, he he said what we've always wanted all the players to say to be like what the fuck yeah <laughs> like come on man everyone nobody likes you just stop asking stupid fucking questions yeah that was but uh, he said it in a very clever Russian way it's funny because like everybody's laughing and I'm like I don't think he's kidding <laughs> but yeah no that was really cool to see what other do I have my my gripes for this week if I have to watch that stupid fucking Rogers wrapped in red event commercial oh, again I'm yeah. going to murder somebody. Literally, yeah. my roommate came downstairs yesterday morning, and he, as he was walking down the stairs, it's like 6 in the morning, he's like, the Rogers wrapped oh in red God. event. I was like, dude, stop. And yeah. he's like, it was it wouldn't stop playing through the game, so now it's stuck in his head for all night long. He slept and woke up still stuck in his head. I know. it's uh, Give me back the gambling ads for fuck's sake. Oh, like. my God. Like, please. I would rather see Wayne Gretzky yell at McDavid <laughs> like a hundred times than have to listen to songs. This I think this all comes back to why I hate those like legacy heating ads on the radio because I hate like gimmicky random oh, songs. Like jingles? I hate yeah. jingles. Oh yeah. my god, I hate jingles. <laughs> I think it's because like as a kid, my dad would fall asleep watching the Channel Guide and they'd always have jingles. Oh, so I'd be laying no. in bed and just listening to jingles. I got like like the I Travel Two Thousand dot com stuck in my head still. <laughs> like like I know the f- the phone number for Alarm Force. Like. <laughs> I can't yeah. get it out of my head. Oh, that's too funny. Oh, that's too funny. It's uh, just the worst. Um, the other thing I, <laughs> I think I pissed off a few Leaf fans to, <laughs> this week. Is that hard though? I know. I and I was doing it completely intentional too. Like they, uh, Tim and friends put up a post with Leon Drysaddle after that eight point performance in the like two games or whatever it was. Yeah. And it was like Leon Drysaddle is a blank um, performer in the NHL. Like what number? And I just said, like, anybody who's putting Austin Matthews ahead of this guy is completely delusional. And people went off. There is one guy who, like, for three days, if you look at our Twitter account, 
was in a back and forth with someone for three days, back and forth, shit talking each other. I'm like talking um, to my fiance. I was like, imagine like coming up at the end of the day and be like, hey, honey, how's your day? <laughs> well, I argued with a stranger online for the entire day. Hey, man, some people make money off that. Ugh. That's what Mark Spector does every day. <laughs> uh, very true. Very true. <laughs> but, yeah, that was uh, super, super fun. So with that uh, in the spirit, where do you put Leon Dreisaitl? In my rankings for NHL. top five right now? Yeah. I have McDavid. I have McCarr. Then I probably have Dreisaitl. I think I have Matthews at number five. I'd have McKinnon at four. Yeah. Um, and then it just depends on how much you want to start involving recency bias. Right. You want to bump Tage Thompson or Jason Robertson into the top five currently? Uh, yeah. Like, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> Tage Thompson has been a monster this year, though. My God. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I was watching some highlights and stuff, and they are interviewing his dad. And his dad's like, oh, yeah, he's he's getting there. <laughs> getting there. <laughs> oh, he's just talking about his height. He's still growing. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Six foot seven's not enough. Yeah, this guy's going to be a monster in a couple of years. Um, other than that, I don't think we have anything else. We've got some upcoming games. you got Dallas, Vancouver, Calgary, Seattle, and Winnipeg. Um, an 8 p.m. start on New Year's Eve, hey? That's... None of these games are matinees, so you'll be very happy. I'm so excited. I'm going to sit my fat ass on the couch and crush all of these games. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, especially after tomorrow's game against Dallas. I'll be off work for all these games. Yeah. And then, obviously, we also have the World Juniors. Yes. That start on Boxing Day. Yes. So Those if, will be probably early afternoon games then, hey? Uh, they're in New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. Yeah. So I would think that, I don't know what the time zone is over there. The games will probably start at like 7 their time for the so Canada games. four here. So, yeah, around four here. Yeah. So that'll be exciting to watch. Reed Schaefer made the team playing on the fourth line. Yeah. Maybe he'll play well and get bumped up on a line with Wright or Bedard. That'd be really fun. That'd be fun to watch, yeah. yeah. So, But overall, I'm really looking forward to um, the World Juniors this year, especially yeah. one that's not during the summer. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be fun. Uh, we'll talk to everybody in well, a week and a little bit. So hope everybody has happy holidays and a very safe and happy New Year's. Um, I think that's it. I think that's a wrap on 2022, man. Just like that. How many episodes are we in? 28? 28. 28. 28. We'll get to 52 before the end of the year. <laughs> All right. <laughs>